In the U.S. Army, you can make a choice to make your mark. With over 200 fields to choose from, you can join forces with us and take on anything. Visit GoArmy.com to answer, what's your warrior? Welcome to the Delvin Cox Experience. I'm your host, Delvin Cox, and with me today is my boy, Francis Ward. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, man? How's things? Everything's good. How's everything with you in Ireland, man? Hey, no complaints, man, apart from the weather. <laughs> First and foremost, let everybody know who you are exactly. Well, I am a mix of things. I'm a little bit of everything. I like to think of myself as like a rapper slash... Comedian almost. <laughs> what I've always liked about Francis, because I've known him for since what 2016 now. Yeah, yeah. When I did a I did an article on him because he wrote a dope rap about Shinsuke Nakamura because he saw before everybody else saw that Shinsuke Nakamura was gonna be the shit. No, oh, that's my guy. <laughs> yeah. 100%. So what I always liked about him was the fact that he's kind of a Renaissance man. This is like me, where he's not just in the wrestling hip-hop, he's into everything. You can go on your timeline, you can see you tweeting about all kinds of different things. And I want to get yeah. a little bit into that today. Like, for example, let's start off with your, your love for hip-hop. How long you been listening to hip-hop music? I want to say I'm 27 now, probably since I was about the age of 11. Wow, and what's, what's the artist that really got you into hip-hop in the first place? This will make a lot of people laugh, but... It was actually 50 Cent. Oh, that's, that's not going to make me laugh at all. No, he was he was big out here. He was big. At one point, he was big in the whole world. You know, people loved in the club and right. all the joints he had. He had a little run on him, so I can see right, why. That get, get, Richard, that get Richard Die Trying album. That was it. That was it for me. That, that's what did it. And I, To me, that's, I that's a classic. That album there, right there is a classic for many men to end the club. Yeah. It's not he, really one skippable song stuff. on there. Yeah, man. Mm -hmm. So I cannot fault you for that. And so what was your inspiration to say, you know what? If this guy's doing it, let me start, try to start doing it. Well, I would say when when I say around that time to get Richard I time, uh, get Richard I try in time, that was probably the seed that was planted, let's say. 
because at that stage it was just kind of music I like to listen to and it grew from there and then when I started getting into my teens because you know over here the legal age for drinking is 18 over there you got 21 right <laughs> yep that is true yeah so it's 18 here so people start a little bit earlier so they start you know 14 15 years old you know and um, so we would just me and a couple of the guys would just go outside we, you know a big over here is drinking in the parks and drinking outside you know because you don't want your parents to know and uh, we would just play the music on our phones and I remember there was one there was one guy who had a CD and on that CD they used to have, have the instrumentals as the last track and he had the last track saved on his phone and one night we were all just drinking just playing around and people started freestyle rapping trying to rap to the beat and uh, yeah it was just something I did people laughed they thought it was funny they thought I had punchlines you know I was listening to people and they were telling me something that I should do so yeah we were just basically it was just off drunken behavior <laughs> so what is the hip-hop scene like out there in a place like Ireland um there are a couple of rappers that are making it big I would say there there's a group called class A's and they're from Dublin which is the capital of Ireland everybody knows that um, so th those are the guys that are really at, at, at the front of the scene and it's more it's the same with everything now it's everything's online everything's views you know YouTube like SoundCloud all of that stuff um, so apart from like as far as radio play goes it's still American artists for the most part okay but who are the popular American artists down there that people listen to generally it's the same as us popular. yeah Nicki Minaj you know you have Rick Ross like Jay-Z those are, those are like the biggest artists, I would say, over here right oh. now in the rap game. Well, you guys do it better than us then. <laughs> oh, yeah. Migos. Oh, hey. Don't, yeah, don't get me started. Migos, Lil Yachty, all them too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's what we got right now. Migos, mm -hmm. Lil Yachty, Young Thug. That's all you really hear playing right now. So, so moving no on comment. to that. No comment. <laughs> what got you into right, rapping about wrestling? Uh, Well, wrestling was always a huge love of mine since I was younger like I'm talking six seven years old I remember you know watching watching the attitude era growing up you know Stone Cold you know Jericho all them people I just fell in love with it just always love wrestling and um, there was probably a time when I went away from it when I was 12 to 15 you know when I was more outside interested in girls and drinking and stuff like that you know um, but I got back into wrestling in about probably 2012 and uh, I just haven't looked back since. You know, CM Punk was a big influence to get me back into wrestling. And when he did the pipe bomb, that made me think like, you know, he's just speaking his mind, you know. And I, I there was something about that that interested me. And it, it sparked that thing inside me with rap again, that I want to speak my mind. And I want to get people to notice me just like CM Punk did. And just to mix rap with wrestling is just... You know, we, we've seen it before in, in wrestling with gimmicks. Or truth you know, he comes out rapping. He does the whole rap thing. John Cena did it. Dr. Thunganomics, I love that gimmick. You know? Me too. His freestyle, his freestyles against the big show and Kurt Angle and stuff, that, that stuff cracked me up. And that was another reason why, um, why I wanted to fuse uh, rap with wrestling. John Cena, let's give him credit. Oh, definitely, definitely. Believe it or not, I actually had his first album. Oh, what was the name of that album? I can't remember the name of it. I remember. Life or something? Was it? I forget. 
I remember something because he did a lot of songs with people that you wouldn't expect a wrestler to do mm-hmm. songs with. Like he did a song with Mures. He did a yeah. song with um Freddie Fox. Yeah. So it was pretty cool yeah. to see, even though, you know, you wouldn't really necessarily call John Zeno a lyricist or nothing like that. But no. it's cool to see that he had that love for hip hop where he's not oh let me go get the biggest artists I can find. He was getting guys that street hip hop artists would like, like Freddie Fox, Mirage, right, people right. like that. Yeah. So it was a pretty mm-hmm. cool look, you know. Even the song he came out with, what was, I don't know, not like his theme song. It sampled MOP. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, and that's dope. That John Cena, John Cena is always like I believe John Cena when when he was doing that gimmick. You know, that's you know he's not. We everybody knows that that's not really him. You know, he puts it on a bit and you know, it turns it yeah. up. But he is a hip hop. He is into hip hop. That guy knows his. He knows his music. You know. Yeah, which I think is pretty cool. That even though you can tell that it's kind of amped up a little yeah. bit, you can tell that he loves hip hop. He's kind of right. like one of those guys who listen to Guru and Gangstar and things like that. Yeah. So I think, and the thing about it is, hip-hop has become part of our everyday culture now. When I was growing up, people kind of shunned hip-hop. Hip-hop wasn't that much of a big deal. Mm-hmm. But now, everywhere you look, even with WrestleMania, every WrestleMania, you know... Hip-hop artists. Hip-hop yeah. artists. You know it's going to be yeah. either Pitbull or Flo Rida performing there every year, automatically. So right. I think... Flowrider, definitely. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting to see that change from the earlier years of WrestleMania when you had people like Motorhead and Oasis yeah. before the WrestleMania. Now you got every they year you know Pitbull's going to be there. Right, Pitbull. Every year, next year it's going to be Pitbull, Pitbull Flowrider, Flo Rider. Diddy will probably show up. So it's kind of cool to see that kind of paragon shift into things like that. So now when we're on wrestling, who is your favorite wrestler? All time great. All, of all time. All time. Let's go all time first. Then we'll move on to this generation. Of all time. I would probably have to say of all time. The guy that kept me glued to my TV screen the most as a child and probably brings me the most happiest memories has to be Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's a good choice. The GOAT. <laughs> That's, That's a good choice. The GOAT. His feud with The Rock was legendary. Surprisingly, his feud with Booker T was legendary. <laughs> People Legend. still talk about that. Inside the supermarket that they did. Yeah, the, the supermarket fight. Great. It's awesome. So I definitely can't fault you with that one. That's an excellent choice. And, do you, well, on Stone Cold, do you ever think he'll be coming back to the ring? I've, I've heard him answer those questions before people have asked him. I just don't think he's interested right now. I think he's happy doing his podcast. He's happy out there hunting deer, you know, drinking beer. All that good stuff, but he's living the gimmick, you know. What? But there's no more that you can say. I'm happy for him, you know. And the cool thing about Stone Cold that I like at least is the fact that he's put himself in a position where he doesn't have to come back. Yeah, he's very smart with his money. You know, he he even dipped his foot into Hollywood a little bit for a while. You know, he's got his own TV show. The guy's doing very well for himself. I don't think he needs to step back into the ring anytime soon. You know, uh, if ever. You know, and I think it's also cool that we live in an age now where wrestlers are pretty much taken seriously. Where you can look yeah. on ESPN and you'll see Roman Reigns on ESPN talking to people about wrestling. The Rock is everywhere. John Cena yeah. doing movies. You got Stone Cold with his TV show. 
You got Batista in one of the biggest movies in the world in Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. So it's kind of cool that when we were coming up, wrestling was kind of looked at as, as a joke almost. Well, like, mm -hmm. why are you watching that stuff? Now you got Hollywood's biggest stars are former wrestlers, former and current wrestlers. The Rock was a huge, a huge deal. Uh, like him, him going to Hollywood, I think wrestling fans at the, at the start, me included, probably felt, you know, some kind of, I don't want to say we felt entitled to have him, but... You know, you know, wrestling fans, they don't want somebody to go and they booed The Rock and then he turned heel and that was great. I loved it, you know, the whole Rock concert stuff. And uh, <laughs> But if you look back, it was one of the best things that ever happened to wrestling business and for wrestling fans because there are people out there that when when they see you, when they, when they know that you watch wrestling, they hear what you watch wrestling, they say, oh, that's that fake stuff or whatever. But then there's other people that say, hey, you know, The Rock was a wrestler and The Rock's pretty cool and he's entertaining and a lot of people know the rock you know just from his movies and and things like that so when when you tell somebody you watch wrestling you know it's not it's relatable it's more relatable now yes yeah, more it's more looked at with a little bit more respect than it used to be because i remember when i was coming growing up i used to watch wcw and wwe and one of the things where people would constantly say was oh wrestling's for hillbillies it's not something oh, that you yeah. really watch because they think about the old 80s wrestling thing like that. And they wouldn't take it serious. Now when you yeah. say you watch wrestling, a lot of times you meet people who like wrestling. Yeah, that's true. And, I, you know, me personally, I feel bad for people who don't. I, you know, yeah. it's, it's because the reason is it's one of the most, most entertaining forms of, like, programming that you can get. You know, it's got everything. Drama, you know, and the stories. Like... The stories, you have a good guy and a bad guy. It's just like movies. Yeah. You know, people root for a, a good guy or they root for the bad guy, you know. Um, and it's just, it's it, they do it live every week. There's no net, so to speak. You know, if they if, if they make a mistake, can I curse? You say whatever you want to say, bro. <laughs> if, if, yeah, cool. If they fuck up, if they fuck up, then they fuck up, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's dangerous. But also at the same time, the goal is for them to protect each other. Like, this is the kind of stuff that a wrestling fan understands and loves and appreciates. You know, that I wish I wish more people would give it a chance. Okay, let's now going into this wrestling thing right now, because we already on the tangent with it. What do you think yeah. about the product as it is right now? We're talking, to be clear, we're just talking about WWE right now. We're not going into TNA or Ring mm -hmm. of Honor or things like that, or New Japan for that matter. Right. WWE right now? Yeah. So this is this is an unofficial state of the WWE address, let's say, that they like to do. <laughs> yes. Um, not great. And why do you say that? I agree with you. Not great. Just just because just because I feel like this is you if you're talking about right now, we're in the stage right now where it's right after WrestleMania. And it's it's usually around this time of year things kind of dip a little bit because you know we've had that high i remember three to four months leading up to mania i was the most excited i think i've been about wwe in in years you know since the draft and everything i i've just loved the build-up and just since then you know i think they've dropped the ball on numerous people bray wyatt oh. is you know even though he's ic champ now i think he could have been wwe champion instead of jinder mahal but that's another subject you know yeah so what do you think uh, about the whole well, let's get to the Jinder Mahal thing. What do you think was the idea behind that, actually? 
I think the I think the main thing that WWE were going for was uh, the Indian market. You know, they have they have big business over there. Um, there was a video that circled around after Jinder won the title, and it was two Indian commentators, and it was the funniest shit that I think I've ever heard in my life. You know, they were just screaming India number one, <laughs> India number one. You know, and it was like a big celebration, and uh, that it, it just when you see it from their perspective how massive that is he was on every news uh channel that they have that's massive you know a place like india and stuff like that they would take that seriously you know that one of their own is wwe champion and i think that's cool and i think it's real interesting the fact that a lot of people say they did it because tna is starting to try to make that foothold into the indian market which is a very big market and you know like for example tna got balabari shira and mm-hmm. they were trying to make a star out of him. That's not necessarily working out. And I think, I don't know if this is a spoiler now. I don't know if it's happened yet or not on TV-wise. But Sean J. Dunn is the new X-Division champion. See, with TNA, no, I'm a little I'm a little less caught up like you. Because TNA, I gave up. You know, I watched him when the Hardy Boys were there. Broken you know, deletion. <laughs> all that stuff. Wonderful, you know, to steal a phrase. But... That was about it. You know, TNA, it's got a stink on it for me. Yeah, I think the whole situation with the Hardys kind of left a bad taste in people's mouth. I still watch it occasionally. I like it still. And they're doing some good things. But I, you can kind of see that. Like the whole thing right now, they, they had a couple of shows. I think it was four shows in India. Yeah. So, so they're really trying to put their foothold into that market. And now it seems see, like... See, that's... To your, to your point... I didn't know that because I haven't followed TNA that closely. I know that, well, I've heard they sweat TNA as much as people think they do. I know they, I know they kind of copy the final deletion stuff with Bray Wyatt, which, you know, the Wyatt family in the New Day that was strange. Um, <laughs> but as far as like that, as far as TNA in India for me, I just don't think that that's a big enough reason for WWE to go and put the belt on Jinder. I think it's more of their interests as opposed to TNA. So do you think them putting the belt on gender in the long term in the long term would be a good idea? Is a good idea for that matter. Well, I've heard this is I, I don't know, I'm not gonna say that it's confirmed or, or something, but I've heard that um, that the ratings of SmackDown have actually dropped lower the lowest since the um, superstar shakeup. And since Jinder Mahal became WWE champion. Okay. So, if you look at it that way, in terms of viewership, I don't think it has helped SmackDown. But in terms of, we we, we don't know the type of um, impact that that's going to have on network subscribers in India, let's say. See, I can go two ways with that one. Because lately, SmackDown has kind of been dropping the ball. Agreed, yeah. In a sense where... Before the Superstar Shake-Up, their women's division was hot. Yeah. You you had um, constant competition. There was Raw's women's division, and their women's division was literally neck and neck. One week yeah. you say Raw's almost better. Another week you say SmackDown's almost better. And then once they made those changes, I don't know what happened. It just fell apart. Is it... Would it be for you, I'm going to ask you, would it be for you, Charlotte? Is that the problem? Because for me, I feel Charlotte turning face was a mistake. Yeah, big mistake. 
big, big mistake. I think it's a big mistake because she you had she was your number one heel on Raw. Okay, you did everything that you wanted to do with her on Raw. There was nothing else for her to do. So I understand move her to SmackDown. That's great. But I I just I don't understand why you would change her. You know what worked? If it's not if it's not broken, don't try and fix it. It's the same with Nakamura. I had an exchange with Road Dog on Twitter um, yesterday. It was yesterday or the day before. And basically my question to him was, why is that I wish he would go back to calling Nakamura the king of strong style as opposed to the artist known as. And uh, Road Dog responded, and he said, he said that change is difficult. So me reading that, I said, okay, bye-bye, king of strong style. They're not going to call him that anymore yeah, because... Which- he's already talking about change and that I have to deal with it. Um, so basically he just talked about Finn Balor, that that was a change people had to get used to. You know, he was called Fergal Devitt before and people got used to it, you know, and that the same thing will happen with Nakamura. And to my point about Charlotte, the reason why I'm saying this is just because it's just another instance of them changing something that I don't think needs to be changed. Charlotte works as a heel. Was well, actually Becky Lynch, could she's a great babyface. She could use a great heel to go against. And I just don't feel like SmackDown has any great heels right now. And I think they're messing up in a sense where Naomi's title reign could be bigger than what it is. But because of all this stuff that's going on with SmackDown's women division, it doesn't look like a good title reign. It's, it's about who she's surrounded by, exactly. I think. And I think that, that's... that's Naomi's a Naomi's a great baby face, you know. She does the whole feel the glow thing. I I'm feeling the glow every week. I love Naomi, you know. Um, she was I was one of those people who said that she was going to win the title when she did, and nobody nobody was hearing it. And I said, just you watch, you know. And it happened, and I'm happy for her, you know. Uh, I just I'd be a lot happier for her if she had a bigger if she had a bigger heel to go against. I mean, she's going to face Lana next. That and doesn't sound good. What is she? Is she is she a babyface? People cheer her. I guess she attacked Naomi, so it would make her a heel. But I just there's not enough heat there for me. That's a good point. So let's move on to well, since we're still talking about SmackDown, let's move on to other things about SmackDown's been questionable. Let's talk about the whole Kevin Owens, AJ Styles thing in the sense where you got two athletes like AJ Styles and Kevin Owens who last year was on the top of their game. They were both champions, world heavyweight yeah. champions at their respective shows. Now they're both fighting for the UF title. What but, a difference a year makes, huh? Yeah, it's, it's baffling because you have, basically, you have basically a jobber who's now the world champion. Yeah. Which I don't have a, like I said, I don't have a problem with it in a sense if they had a, a story that went with it that made sense. But they did. Yeah, like a little bit of a build-up before you put the belt on it, before you make him number one contender. That's what I was saying. But, you know, I told myself I'm going to drop it. I'm going to give him a chance. You know, he's got some good heat. The crowd are booing him, which I like to see. I like to see an, a, a heel get, like, actually be booed, you know. That's a good thing to see because it's rare these days, you know. Um, so I, get, I gave him a chance. He's had a couple of decent matches. I wouldn't say they're anything special. Uh, I don't think he's a bad worker. I don't think he's a bad... He he needs work. He's been decent on the mic. He's been decent on the mic as well. His promos are decent, but the best thing about him since he's become champion is his entrance. Yeah, that is true. The entrance, 
with the turban and the you know the music and and everything it's perfect perfect it makes him feel like main, main event it makes him feel bigger than what he is it does the wwe's production that's one thing that nobody can ever throw a flag on so you know it with that behind him if he if they can just give him a meaningful program with somebody that people really like i think he could be something but it's up to them you know they, they've dropped the ball with bray wyatt they've Dropped the ball with Kevin Owens, in my opinion, in a way. Uh, Nakamura, they haven't made feel that special since he's come back. You know, he, he's in a throwaway match on SmackDown with Kevin Owens, something that I think should be safe for a pay-per-view. I agree. And you're giving it away on TV. You know, he's in a tag match with AJ. Owens is in there. It's just with the with the with the brand split and the superstar shakeup. I feel like. It really hit me when I saw the tag match with Nakamura and Owens and everybody in the ring. That We see these people in the ring all the time in different situations, one against another, one against another. And, and we see people facing, like the Hardy Boys and Sheamus. How many times do we have to see the same people have a match and then again on pay-per-view? Good point. Now that you brought them up, let's move over to, over to Raw. I think what you're saying is true, and I think the problem with what you're saying is the fact that they have wrestlers they can use. Yeah. Both rosters have wrestlers they can use. They have, like, for example, go back to SmackDown for a second. America, how long have American Alpha's been sitting at home? I forgot they were even part of the roster. I think maybe, I think the last time I seen American Alpha was probably in one of those uh, Fandango and Tyler Breeze skits. They were, they were probably on the board that said missing across it. <laughs> and it's crazy that both shows have these big rosters and they don't use the whole roster. And it would, make, it would make perfect sense to be like, hey, this week, Roman Reigns is not here. But this person who you haven't seen in the week is here. Next week, Roman Reigns is coming back. This person who was there before is not going to be there. And kind of like absence makes Absence makes the heart grow stronger kind of thing. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things where WWE kind of feels set in their ways with things. Yeah. And because there is... I would say. Yeah. And because there's yeah. no real competition, because let's face it, Ring of Honor and TNA aren't really competition in that sense where they're knocking on WWE's door like WCW was back in the day. Yeah. They kind of have free range to do what they want to do and make the mistakes that they make. That's the problem. You know, they, they're the biggest dog in the yard. You know, they, they don't have to fight for anything. They don't have to, you know, I've listened to Vince Russo which not a lot of people, a lot of people dislike Russo. Oh, we can get that in a minute. We definitely can yeah, get that. Yeah, we will, we will. <laughs> yeah, Russo, you know, for me personally, I think he speaks a lot of sense. And some people might be surprised by that, but the, the fact of the matter is this, is that he looks at, he looks at wrestling from a casual fan perspective, <clears throat> and he sees that, okay, you have a Sami Zayn in the ring. It's Sami Zayn versus... Uh, I don't know, let's throw a name out there. Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens for the 400th time, okay? Us as wrestling fans, we can look at that match and we can appreciate the moves. We can appreciate the storytelling, the in-ring storytelling. We can appreciate all of that, and we think that's a great match. just a four-star match. Someone like my brother, who's a casual fan, he looks at it and thinks, why the hell do I care? There's, there's no... 
there's no storyline. Okay, we, we get it that these guys don't like each other, but apart from that, what else is there to go on? You know, Kevin Owens hasn't tried to hit on Sami Zayn's sister. He hasn't, like, tried to run him over in a limo or, you know, all this craziness that really got people into the story in the Attitude Era yeah. is gone. It's missing from wrestling these days. Everything is just a match. Yeah, that's very true. And my thoughts on Russo, I think... Russo, I like Russo... Overall, he says some crazy shit sometimes. When you're kind of like, what the fuck are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, he does. He does. But I think people don't take him seriously because he has a bad rap. He gets a bad rap. Yeah. If you if you listen to what people say, they say Russo destroyed WCW. He destroyed TNA. So they kind of look at him like a pariah. And the table for three thing that I just recently watched didn't do him no good justice whatsoever. Because Eric Bischoff, See, the thing on. is, the thing is, is a lot of people always get to take shots at him because they've got the bigger platform, and he doesn't really get a chance to defend himself. Now, listen, all of the crazy shit aside that he talks about, you know, I don't care what his, you know, political views are or his yeah. religious views are or any. So I don't care about all of that stuff. But I'm, I'm strictly talking wrestling now, and when Russo defends himself, he defends himself with facts. He talks about numbers. He says, "Okay, when I was at WCW, okay, everybody knows that place was that place was toxic yeah. to begin with. So, so I'm gonna cut him some slack on that. Uh, putting the belt on David Arquette, we'll never forget that. That's yeah. unforgivable. You know, that's <laughs> bad. Everybody knows that. Um, but when you look at the numbers, WWE was its most successful during Russo's time there. TNA was the most successful during Russo's, Russo's time. time there. Two million viewers." You know, uh, SmackDown is doing 2 million viewers now. So, when you talk numbers, you can't really argue with the guy. You know, some of his decisions, okay, you're not always going to hit the ball out of the park. You're not always going to hit a home run, but who can? You're, you're, you're there to write 52 weeks of TV a year. That's a lot of, that's, a, that's hard. I'm telling you, I can understand that's hard. Yeah, he gets a very bad rap for things because, like I said, people... Just for what reason? Maybe it's his politics. Probably, yeah. But that, that, that's what I'm saying. I'm strictly just talking wrestling yeah. now. Everything else, you know, that's his business. Yeah. He gets a bad rap for that. And a lot of, I want to say wrestling, not wrestling fans. Wrestling fans generally like Russo. It's more like people who are in the industry, like um, Eric Bischoff, Jim yeah. Cornette, people like that who don't like him. Have you, have you seen the Jim Cornette-Russo beef? Lately? Yes. <laughs> I watched a promo, Russo, Russo, well, it was a promo promo, but he was supposed to be an apology. Yeah, I saw that Jim one. Cornette. I just thought it was hilarious. Um, if he did it on TV, everybody would be raving about it. It was great. Yeah. I love it. I've been, I got down the rabbit hole of that today, and I saw the one that, I guess, the one before that with Cornette, was literally yeah. talking about beating him in the streets and fighting him. <laughs> Yeah, wants to fight. Yeah, yeah. He wants to I love fight it. him. It's wrestling is just wrestling angles in real life. Yeah, and he's like, she has five thousand dollars. <laughs> it's it's we just need crazy. You get them in a the ring. I don't care where it is. You yeah, know, book it. That's something that should probably really be booked. Yeah, it should be. It should be. But Russo, Russo is playing the cowardly heel role now because he's apologizing, but he's not really apologizing. You know, he's playing the victim. It's brilliant stuff. I love I was, it. I'm I was talking it. about it the other day with somebody. About the fact that 
these people are really mad at Russo. Mm-hmm. And what makes it interesting is Russo's kind of playing it, playing it up for his viewers. Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. He, he, That's what he does. He frankly doesn't give a shit. You can kind yeah. of tell. He's like, okay, you guys going to give me attention? I'm going to play it up. I'm going to be the, the old WCW heel you guys remember. And he's healing it up for him. Right, definitely. It, it's, it's like this. He had a tweet that he put up about Alexa Bliss. And it was during the Alexa Bliss and Bailey match, the Kendall stick on a pole match. <laughs> and his tweet, his tweet was something to the effect of, oh, I'd, I'd love Alexa Bliss to spank me with that Kendall stick. <laughs> so, so, okay, if I, if I looked at that tweet, I'd probably agree. Yeah. And secondly, I'd probably say, okay, the guy's joking about it. Who cares, you know? Hit the like button. That was funny. Move on. But, you know, in this day and age, I feel like a lot of people are hypersensitive, a little bit too soft, and a little bit too quick to jump the gun to impress somebody else by saying, well, I'm outraged by this man's comment, you know? And there was a lot of people who said, Russo, you're 57 years old. How dare you? She's half your age. This is disgusting. You know, this is disgusting, blah, 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 blah. Now, if he said something that was more, you know... Inflammatory. Exactly, exactly. And, and Russo, it was, it was one thing that he said on his podcast this week or last week. And he talked about the tweet and he said, look, I'm sick, I'm sick and tired of these damn millennials. You know, they're so soft. He said, this is, this is, this is the softest time I've ever lived in my entire life. I'm 57 years old, bro. You know, bro. He says brought down and he just said, he just said, now you, and for a person in his position with as much attention and people ready to pounce on him at every second, I can understand why you'd have that, um, opinion, you know, that just the world has gone crazy with that type of stuff, you know, uh, you just can't make a joke anymore. And that's what I'm talking about with Russo. I think he gets a bad rap. He makes a joke like that. People jump on him, you know, and then they back it up. But you destroyed WCW. You, <laughs> you know. But what about everybody else in WCW that destroyed the company, you yeah. know? They, I, deserve, they deserve as much bad rap as him. I think it's a little ironic that wrestling fans are yelling at anybody about being politically incorrect. Mm-hmm. Whereas just... 10, 15 years ago, we were having panty matches and lingerie matches in wrestling. So it's kind of like... Okay. And you, you click you click on the profile of the guy that's outraged by the Alexa Bliss tweet and watch his cover photo on his Twitter, Sasha Banks' ass. Exactly. Okay. You know, hypocritical people, you know, just hypocrites, Jericho. Stealing his gimmick. It, it's baffling to me that this generation, not the bastard generation, but I'm going to bastard generation, mm-hmm. is so politically correct about everything. Especially when it comes, like, especially when it comes to pro wrestling. Yeah. If you look at the history of pro wrestling, one thing pro wrestling was never was, even though it is now, is politically correct. From the days of oh, there was there was politics, but not politically correct. Exactly. From the days of ECW and lighting people on fire, throwing them off ring, rings, to yeah. puppies and broad panties matches every week on on Raw, we gotta we gotta kind of check our ego at the door. But and, that's what I mean. These these twenty six, twenty seven year olds, you know, those are the same people that grew up watching that stuff. So I just I don't. That's why I think it's all a show. It's all a front. It's all. Hey, I'm outraged by this. Please give me a retweet to show, you know, I respect women. And, of course, everybody should respect women. But 
just that tweet, I'm, I'm sorry I mentioned it now because we're going back to it, but it's just, it's a joke. People need to learn how to take a joke. And that, that that's what I mentioned earlier about when I said I would consider myself a rapper slash comedian almost because I, I like to make people laugh. I like to say stuff that are going to get a reaction, you know, in my music or in my tweets. And just people need to chill out, man. Just, you know, take a joke. Good point. So let's get back into well wrestling so far. What's been your favorite match so far this this year? This year, um, I would have to probably go back to Takeover and Gargano and Champa versus uh, the Authors of Pain. That was great. The heel turn was great. At the end, the match was great. The match was that was an excellent tag match. team wrestling. NXT got me back into tag team wrestling. I'm going to be real. Yeah. You know, the the way they tell stories, the false finishes, everything. And there was something that I noticed at the end of TakeOver. Everybody thought that the heel turn was coming. But what, what, what they did that was just so great is that they waited until the last possible... Even until the graphic, the little graphic was yeah. on, uh, on the bottom left of the screen. And everybody knows when the graphic's on the bottom left of the screen, the show over, you can turn it off. But the graphic came up and then he turned. And it was like... It was that extra second that they waited to show the graphic that made you almost think it's not going to happen, and then it happens, and it's just cool. And I love what Triple H is doing down there, and everybody involved. That they just do a great job with everything that they do down there. I think that's interesting because that may be the future of WWE, in the sense where when Vince finally retires or passes away, Triple H is probably going to be running WWE programming. For the foreseeable future, and if he does anything like he does with with NXT, it's going to be interesting. This is this is a good point that you bring up about Triple H because I was thinking about this earlier. Um, that when Vince does, he's not going to retire. Let's face it; he just yeah, that he, guy's he's going to do it until he's gone. You know, and fair play to him. You know, more power to him, but. Triple H gets into power. He still has Stephanie there. And Stephanie's very much, you know, I see her in interviews that she does on TV. She's the one that pushes to be a star. She's the one that pushes the, you know, the um, the reading challenges and all this charity stuff. And it's great that they do charity. That's great. But they shove it in your face almost, you know, yeah. showing off almost. Uh, and that's Stephanie. Stephanie's so much about the, the company's image. So for people that are talking about when Triple H runs the company, we're going to get an attitude error again. No. No, we're not getting that. So. We're not getting that. No, because, no, Stephanie's still there. Um, you know, I heard that uh, from an ex-creative writer that was on a podcast I was listening to, um, that this whole thing with Kurt Angle and the phone with Corey Graves, that that's got Stephanie written all over it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking because too. what he said was that when he was working there, she always wanted to work in angles with phones, people on phones. She's big into phones. I don't know what it is. We've seen it a lot with Ambrose. We've seen it with Kirk. We've seen it with Mick. We've seen it with everything that surrounds Stephanie or has Stephanie's fingerprint on it has a phone. So my hot take right now is Stephanie's got something got to do with this Kurt Angle stuff with Corey Graves. Well, talk about that. I hope the Kurt Angle stuff ends with him getting back in the damn ring. I'm right there with you, but it's just who... I can't think of any legitimate, like, any real guess. I can't have a real guess of who it could be that would make sense right now. I know that, um, I don't know if it was this past week or a couple weeks ago, 
what got me interested is when um him and Samoa Joe faced off real quick. When Joe started yelling at yeah. Kurt Angle. I'm like, oh, yeah. please let that match happen. That would be great. Yeah, that's that's one thing. Uh, I don't know if you saw Dixie Carter tweeted about it. Oh, she did? Yeah. There was a, I think WWE, I, I don't want to say, maybe it was a WWE official tweet, but there was a picture, there was a picture of Kurt and Samoa Joe, look, you know, the stare down. And the caption said, um, oh, that this brings back good memories or something. It, it actually probably was a fan because they said it brings back good memories. They were referencing their program at TNA. Yeah. And uh, Dixie Carter just quoted the tweet and just said, oh, for me too, or memories for me, brings back memories for me too or something, you know? Uh, so she's, she's still watching it. She's, I, I, I like Dixie Carter, you know? Things would be I a lot too. better, I think, if she was back there because I don't think, I, I don't think this stuff with the Hardy Boys would be going on. I think she would be a lot easier going about it i think she just you know let them use the gimmick because it's who else is going to use it i think if let, uh, well since you brought up let's get into that whole situation i think what they're doing with that is stupid and i'll tell you why i yeah. think that they said they were smart instead of trying to feud with the hardy boys over this gimmick let them use the gimmick and it'd be like hey we have all these videos and matches of when this whole gimmick started. Let's start selling the shit out of this, promoting the shit out. Like, hey, while these mm-hmm. guys are on WWE, hey, you can get the best of the, of the Broken Hardys right here, DVD from TNA. And it would basically sell itself. It's, it's free promotion. Uh, exactly. It's free promotion because, because people, there's 90%, well, I don't want to say 90%, but... 70% of WWE audience don't have a clue what they were doing in TNA. They don't know. Yes. And when Matt starts, if Matt comes in broken and starts doing this, okay, I understand why, why they went Team Extreme at first because they want to, you know, capitalize on the merchandise they, they can make and all of this stuff. Um, but once he turns broken, they're going to be able to say, why is he doing that? And and they're going to find out, oh, he was doing it in TNA. Exactly. And that's when people hear about TNA and they go to TNA, oh, this is pretty cool. What else is TNA doing that's cool that I didn't hear about? So right now all they're doing is turning fans against them by not giving fans what they want. And what fans want is broken Matt Hardy. So you're basically being that parent who's dangling the gift above the kid saying, oh, you can't have it, you can't have it, you can't have it. And people are just going to resent you. They're not going to want to watch your show. They're going to boycott your show. Yeah, and it could have been a great marketing strategy because people would have went to TNA looking for those DVDs and stuff, and they didn't see guys like, oh, shit, Bobby Lashley's still wrestling? Oh, yeah, that's great. Exactly. Oh, this yeah. EC3 guy's incredible. Because yeah. TNA has some talented wrestlers. But you have to get the word out about them. I'll, I'll say this earlier. I, earlier, I said that TNA, that I'm not big into TNA, that I kind of dislike them, and one of the main reasons, like I, I never really watched TNA when the Broken Hardy started doing the thing. Then I was interested, and then they had me. Then I was checking out Final Deletion, and I was seeing some other wrestlers that I never would have seen before. So they had me, yeah. and then this stuff happened, and then they were, then then they were, you know, acting the fool about the gimmick. And not, not letting them use it. And if any, it just made me resent them. It just yeah. made me hate them and say, okay, fuck TNA. I don't care. 
if I hear something good's going to happen, I'll wait until the guy moves to WWE. Fuck TNA. And it's crazy because it doesn't matter because they're still kind of using it anyway. They're getting over with it anyway because people are still in the crowds chanting delete, delete, delete. In TNA? Yeah. And in WWE. Uh-huh. So it's like... Well, in WWE, yeah, but I, li- I like that. So it's, it's, it's almost like, well, what's the point then if people are going to do it anyway? Yeah. It's, it's all- over to the point of almost like the yes chant. Exactly. Which you have to give Matt Hardy. I was never a big Matt Hardy fan. Never. It went, you know, everybody loved Jeff, I think. Yeah, you, you know, are 100% right. You know, and when Matt did the whole thing with Edge, I liked him then a little bit. But his version one, all of that stuff, I never liked Matt. And then when I heard he did the broken Matt Hardy thing, I'm not ashamed to say it. My very first tweet, I laughed at it. I, I thought it sucked. You know, I they had the thing in the warehouse where Jeff put him through the table and, and Rebby came in and threw the baby at him. It was a fake baby. And people, I, I, I reposted the tweet a couple of months ago just because everybody loves the Broken Hardys now and everybody's saying, oh, they're the best. I always knew it. You know, and I said, okay, I'm not ashamed to find the first tweet, my reaction to it, and, and retweet it. And I did, and I said, hey, not ashamed to say... I didn't think it was great from the beginning. And when you looked at the replies, the replies were interesting. Everybody said, oh, my God, this is so bad. TNA sucks. What the fuck are they doing? Blah, 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 blah. And um, they got it over. They, they just, it was just, it was so drastically different that everybody hated it, but everybody learned to love it. See, I was lucky because I got into it really late. So when I yeah. got into it, people, people kept, I kept hearing people talk about it. Then I just, um... Fell down the rabbit hole because they, for some weird reason, they was posting all of that shit on YouTube. Yeah, which was weird because the promotion. You couldn't watch. You didn't have to watch. You didn't have to watch Impact at all. You could have mm-hmm. just watched all his matches on YouTube. Yeah. So I, I went down that rabbit hole and it wasn't like it was. It was on Impact site, Impact's uh, yeah. YouTube page. So I, yeah. I got down the rabbit hole of watching all that stuff on YouTube. Like, this is weird. The first couple of then I started watching it more. I'm like, this is actually pretty entertaining. Yeah. And I just like, oh. Funny. Hilarious. It's hilarious, yeah. You know, dilapidated boat, the man with three H's, like, all of that stuff. Great. Vanguard one. Senior Benjamin. They all, they all are great. I would love to see, I would love to see something in WWE. Um, if I... If I, I could go on a tangent here, but I, I have to bring it up. When Matt and Jeff had that match against Cesaro and Sheamus, and Cesaro and Sheamus turned heel, they turned heel in such a vicious way when when Jeff had his tooth broken, Matt got broke, kicked straight to hell. That was the perfect time, I thought, to break them, and they brought That's him back I thought on the draw the next night. That's what I thought was going to happen. I thought they were, once he gave him that broke, I thought, oh, he's broken. Yeah. Definitely. He, his eyes were rolling in the back of his head. He had blood. You know, I was like, oh, shit, he got color. It's happening. They're doing it. And they fucked it up and brought him out on Raw the next night. And he's, like, half broken. He's, like, damaged Matt Hardy, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was so weird. And it's just, for me, it's like you go you, you go all the way or you just don't do it at all. Don't even have the streak in his hair if you're not going to do it. Yeah, because when I first seen him come, the first thing I thought in my head was, Bray Wyatt, do a Hardy's mm-hmm. feud 
with the re-energized re Wyatt family. How awesome that would right. be. Probably another feud that Bray would lose. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Oh, man, they're fucking up that character. Look, I remember when he first... Promo that era. I thought it was a, a, a WWE movie at first because they had like the they had like the creepy noises and and like the rocking chair and like the backwoods and I was thinking oh what movie is this and then then I noticed then then I see Bray I said oh shit at this time I wasn't watching NXT but I heard I heard about him and uh, people said oh you know that that's Bray Wyatt he's coming up with the Wyatt family they're going to be huge and at that time the excitement was building I knew people that didn't even watch wrestling, and I showed them the promos. And they said, that guy's freaky as fuck, you know? He's like a cult leader, like a brainwasher, like really realistic. Very far away from what he is now, I think. Oh, yeah, now he's 100%. more supernatural, kind of, but not in a good way, house of horror, weirdness, you know? He's Cheesy uh, Undertaker. Yeah, Hot Topic ripoff of yeah. Undertaker. If you, if you were to make a is. bad version of Undertaker... Like a WCW version of Undertaker, that would be Bray Wyatt right now. Right, and, and what is his biggest thing? This is what this is what cracks me up the most is that his biggest thing is follow the buzzards, but he's got no followers. No followers. No Luke buzzards. Eric Rowan's gone. Braun Strowman's gone. What kind of cult leader has no followers? And it's weird because now he's on the same show as Braun Strowman, so he can easily be like, hey. I'm the one who got Braun Strowman doing all this crazy shit. Fucking up. I'm people. waiting on that. I'm waiting on that moment, that backstage moment when they see each other. That's going to be a pop from the crowd. Because yeah. I think they did, did a great job of separating them, keeping Braun away from them. And now, I, there was, I'm going to give credit to Taz on this. It was something I heard on the Taz show. He said that when you think of Braun Strowman, you don't necessarily think of Bray Wyatt anymore. At all. You know? And that's... When Luke Harper and Eric Rowan, with Eric Rowan, I definitely think that he, he needs to be as close to Bray Wyatt as possible or else yeah. he's going to drown, you know? Uh, but with, with Braun Strowman, they did a great job of, of setting him up by himself, making him his own character, his own thing, that's his own man. And when that happens with him and Bray, if Bray's a face, I think it's going to be great. Yeah. For the universal title, I might add. Yeah. Oh, let's get into that right now. Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar. Who you got? Brock all day long. I, I always go with Brock. Uh, I don't know. Brock's my guy. I don't know. I'm kind of, I kind of want to say Joe. I know there's people out there that think, oh, this would be the time. They realize that they need a champion and they're going to give it to Joe. But I just don't think so. I think this all ends with Roman Reigns with his hand raised up above Brock Lesnar with the Universal title as the guy that saved us. And brought us back our title. That's Vince's last shot, I think. See, the thing about that is, I don't mind Roman Reigns being the champion, but I don't want to see another Roman Reigns Brock match right now. I disagree because I love the WrestleMania match. I thought oh. the WrestleMania match didn't end. It ended with Rollins, yeah. which was the best. That so was awesome. We we didn't get a finish. Brock was slapping the piss out of Reigns throughout the match. I went back and watched the Reigns sold like a champion. So anybody who told me on my Twitter that Rollins sells way better than Reigns and Reigns no, can't sell. Fuck off with that shit. Reigns can sell. He can. And that match with Brock was proof of it. And um, 
yeah, so basically that match never ended with a clean finish between the two of them. So we never got a winner. And I think that's what that's in the vault right now for those little promo packages that WWE do before the matches. It's all the last time they faced off each other against each other, we didn't get a winner. Rollins stole the show or whatever. Mm-hmm. This time, you know, Reigns is gonna beat the beast. He's gonna bring back the universal title because it's never on Raw. And, you know, Brock beat up Joe and Brock beat up Finn Balor, which I think is gonna happen at SummerSlam. Yeah. Um yeah, and, and Reigns is going to be positioned as the hero, the guy who brought back the belt for the fans. Yeah, because I would love, I personally would love to see Brock lose to Samoa Joe, and then they make Samoa Joe a badass, like Brock. Like, yeah. Samoa Joe is just tapping out everybody. And then if you Someone want that's to. that's going to be there every week. Yeah. Just, you know? And, um, AJ Styles was WWE champion, so everything's on, like, everything is off the table after that, you know? Yeah. People can say it's a former TNA guy because WWE went and put their main title on TNA's main guy. Yeah. So everything is possible. But do I think that Brock is going to lose to Samoa Joe? Probably not. No. No. They have to make it a match. You can't just squash Joe. That's my whole thing. (sighs) See, that's that's the corner that they put themselves in because Joe, Joe... He's looked, while he's looked strong enough, he hasn't looked like a beast yet. You know, he hasn't looked like a beast. Because Rollins, you know, came back from an injury, beat Triple H. Did he beat Samoa Joe? Yeah, he ended up beating Samoa Joe. He beat Samoa Joe. The second match, I think? So, I want to say he beat him with the pedigree. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm wrong about that, anyway, if I'm wrong, then that just helps my point because it just means that he hasn't done enough yet. But they can, for me, they, they can still build Joe as that monster because if we remember correctly, when when Brock came back, his first match he lost to John Cena. Yeah, yeah. Which was I hated that decision. People oh hated it. God, oh yeah, that was. I still don't get it to this day. He came back talking about legitimizing the business yeah. and all this shit. And then got his ass. Yeah, he fucked whooped. John Cena up. He fucked him up, but he lost. He, he fucked him up, but he lost. And then I think he lost to Triple H not too yeah. long after that. Which I think was even worse. So, but that's that's like old Brock. People for Vince wants everybody shush shush. Forget about that. You know, he broke the streak. He's and right now he's built as big as you can get him. He's a beast. He, yeah. Everybody knows. When he comes back on Monday, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to do the little Brock shuffle with him. When he comes out, hit the pyro, you know, all that shit. He's going to come out pissed yeah. on Monday. And I what love what Samoa Joe did. That shit was awesome. He talked to him like a serial killer. Yeah, almost. I, it was you know, awesome. Up close to his face, what they did, they, they kept the mics out of it. Michael Cole and, and whatever jabronis he's got at, at the table with him, they kept quiet. <laughs> you know, sorry, Corey Graves. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so... The other jabroni, what's his name? Who's there? Booker T. Booker oh, T's Booker there. T's not a jabroni. I keep thinking Byron Saxton and, and the other guy. Who's you, the other guy? You're talking about uh, Byron Saxton and... um. Otunga? Yeah, Otunga. Yeah, the, those two guys are very forgettable for me. But yeah, yeah. so... Um, um, yeah, they, they stayed quiet. Samoa Joe, just, it was intense. I oh, loved it. It was incredible. It was one of the best promos I've seen in a long time. And everybody knows that you don't touch Paul Heyman. That's a special thing that they did because Brock Lesnar is F5, the chairman of the company, for less than that. 
Yeah. So could you imagine, like that? that's my mindset going into Monday. Could you imagine when his music hits and he comes out and what is he going to do? He needs to do something big. Yeah. And that promo was just, the whole promo was just awesome because he was like, I don't just want to beat you. I want to take everything you have. I want to take yeah. Paul Heyman. I want the big contracts. I want your money. I want to wrestle once a month. Yeah, he 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 wants that Brock Lesnar schedule. You know, the, I like that. I, I like the fact that he explained the move. Like he told him, first you're gonna feel dizzy, you're gonna feel painful. You know, they they really hit home uh, like about the about his finish. You know, just how how painful it's gonna be. And you have Brock to thank this, or you can send this message back to Brock and tell him this for him. Just perfect, perfect. Yeah. And I just hope I hope they capitalize on it now. Yeah, man. Well, I think, shoot, we done talked about a lot, man. We done gotten, a, this literally became a WWE podcast just like that. Hey, I, I don't I'm have, all for it. I'm all for that, too. Is there anything else? We're, oh, let's talk about one more thing, I guess, before, before we go, because we're almost hitting up an hour. Yeah. What matches do you want to see this year? What do you? Well, Nakamura and Owens would have been one, but they threw that away on SmackDown. They uh, fucked that up. If we're talking about matches that we haven't seen, yeah. Uh, definitely Brock and Balor. Yeah. Finn Balor's my guy, you know. Uh, Brock and Balor. Let me see. Reigns and and Brock. I'd like to see that match again. Okay. Uh, Nakamura Cena. Yeah. I want to see that Nakamura. one. Cena's coming back. You Fourth know, of July. I don't think Shinsuke's going to win Money in the Bank. Uh, SummerSlam maybe. That would be good. It could happen. You, you know, know what? I, I think I think the money in the bank, Baron Corbin's going to win it. Um, and I think Carmella's going to win the the female, the, the woman's money in the bank match. That might be a smart so, move for them, Carmella winning that. Yeah, because think about it. James Ellsworth can, can struggle to carry the briefcase around, you know, and, and shove it in people's faces. It gives him something to do because he's really got nothing to do lately. Yeah. And not only that, you can kind of like, it makes sense if you see Carmella just come out of nowhere and just win, win the title off of, off of Naomi or somebody like that. Yeah, it's perfect because she, I can see her coming out doing a little moonwalk, looking at the briefcase, you know, beckoning uh, James Ellsworth towards her. She does her moonwalk, you know. It's such a heel thing to do. It gives her something to talk about. You know, she's one of the smaller girls, so it's it makes sense that she would cash in on a weak champion. And... Um, yeah, I just, Carmella all day, I'm going with her for the female money in the bank. And Corbin, he's he's the only guy that I don't see having a program coming out of money in the bank. So that gives him something to do as well. Future champion, JBL's been spouting that for a long time. And I think this is this is the time that they're going to set that in motion. So who do you think Corbin will beat for the belt? That's, that's what I'm trying to think. You asked me what matches I wanted to see. And Corbin cashing in on... Not gender, because he's a heel. It might be. Uh, well, not not necessarily gender, but w- what I've heard thus far is that when Zena comes back, he's supposed to fight gender for the belt. Zena. Yeah. So, yeah, so, and I don't see him. I don't see him losing to Jinder Mahal. So it might be a possibility uh, he might win it and he'll immediately lose it. Win it, and Baron Corbin cashes in on him. That or I. Yeah, Baron Corbin needs to cash in on a Cena or an AJ. Yeah. I would go with either of those, Cena or AJ. 
Because that was one of the things they were saying. I forgot where I read it at, that Zenith's coming back like on the 4th of July. Of course, yeah, American Holiday, that's him, that's Cena had to come back. So I think the whole gimmick is for him to come back on the 4th of July, win the title back, and then probably just lose well, it again. Maybe, but but see, now now my mind switched to, to Kevin Owens, because Kevin Owens has got the whole Face of America thing going on, and you know he's going to do it big on the 4th of July. Yeah, that's a good point. And Cena is the type of person to come back and say, don't disrespect my country, you know, uh, salute the soldiers, all that stuff. And they could redo that program. Yeah, that would be good too. Because I'm speaking, Kevin Owens kind of needs that push. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe we get, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe it's Cena, maybe it's Cena and um, Owens at, at SummerSlam, Jinder, Jinder and AJ, maybe? Yeah, Jinder and Nakamura? Huh. Can Jinder Mahal carry Nakamura? Like, what would the promos look like? Oh, they'd be terrible. Terrible, you know? Jinder, Jinder... Jinder's, like I said, he's okay on the mic, but he's struggling to talk. It's like he's got that Ryback syndrome where it's almost... You, you feel like he's straining his voice to get his point across. And the thing about Nakamura is... He's cool when he says less. Yeah, he has to he has to bounce off somebody else, which is which is why Jinder can be okay on the mic, as I said. But like you said, it would be bad because Jinder's not excellent. You need someone excellent first, Nakamura to bounce off of. Yeah, you, you need know, a, timing wise and stuff like that. You need but, a talker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, man, I think shoot, I think we did it, man. Thank you for being on hey, the podcast, that, that man. That was fun. Definitely, definitely was fun. Hey, tell everybody about your, your SoundCloud and your music, man, so they, they know where to find it at. Yeah, you can, the best place to follow me is on Twitter, and that's at MrFantastic11, and uh, my SoundCloud link is going to be there, my YouTube channel is going to be there. Um, go retweet my pin tweet, like my tweet, and share the music, man, enjoy my wrestling tweets. This is going out to wrestling fans, I'm sure. So, you know, if you're, if you're digging wrestling, you're digging music, rap music, check me out. And follow me on Twitter. I appreciate it. You definitely do all those things, man. You will not be disappointed. As always, thanks for being on, Francis, man. You're definitely going to be on again, brother. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Definitely. And we are out. This episode is made possible by PwC. The future calls for digital transformation you can trust. That's why the new equation is business-led and cloud-forward, using secure technologies to drive tax-efficient solutions for today and tomorrow. It's how people and technology work together to transform transformation. See how the new equation is building trust and security with the latest tech at thenewequation.com. Now extended through January 14th, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me, mister, I'm so stressed I grind my teeth more than most people grind coffee. Especially you. Give your anxiety-clenched jaw a rest. My molars will be so happy. Start feeling spectacular today. Join in-club or at planetfitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends January 14th, see club for details.